welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. I want to ask you a question now. It's about appearances. Who here today got dressed to impress God? Ooh, anyone? You know, you can do that. There is actually a way that you can impress God with what you put on. There are actually things that he's asked us to put on, to consider, to put on, so that we can impress him and walk through life in the triumph that he wants us to walk in. Who knows what I'm talking about? If you don't, I want you to come with me to the Bible, to Ephesians 6.10, and we're going to read what this stuff is that he wants us to put on. Ephesians 6.10, are you there? If, it's, if you're not, if you didn't bring your Bible, find a Christian, he'll have a Bible. So think about it, think about it. All right, here we go, only joking. Read with me. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in these heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after all you've done everything, to stand. So it would appear that we can put things on that God wants us to impress him with so that we, we can walk triumphantly. Because he's our dad. He wants us to wear the right things. It's like my son's playing soccer this year and I love getting him dressed. I love getting him dressed for battle. In the mornings, you know, I give him a little pep talk about, you know, having fun and doing his best. You know, I put his little shin pads on and, you know, just, just ride in his socks and his shoes and not, not too tight, not too loose. You know, I love dressing him up for the, for the battle of the game. And you know what? Your heavenly father is exactly the same. However, you're not five-year-old incapable people. He's given you these things that he wants you to put on for yourselves. It's called the armour of God. Not part of the armour, but the full armour of God. And tonight, we're just going to have a bit of a reminder of what this armour is. We're going to have a little bit of a look as to what are these things that your heavenly father wants you to put on so that you can walk in triumph in this life. Amen? Just a, a little look at a few of them. However, I need a bit of help. I'm going to do a few different things tonight. I need a model tonight to help me. And uh, believe it or not, I actually have. You guys are in for a treat. I told him no, no upstaging me. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, Emmerich. I was going to give him a big intro. I'm not happy. You're laughing. I'm actually not happy. You, quiet. Now, right, here we go. Just like we rehearsed. If you can still read, go to uh, Ephesians 10.14 uh, and we'll look at the first part of this armour of God. It says, stand firm with... It's not what you think. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. So I'm going to dress Emmerich up with the full armour of God today. The full armour of God. The belt of truth. It's all right, mate. 
I did read one translation that talked about how we should gird our loins with truth. It's all right, you're safe. I didn't, I don't know what your loins, I don't know, I don't even, I don't want to know about them. That's, yeah, you put it on. Watch your loins. When you, when you put it on, sit down, be quiet. All right. So the first thing that we have is the buckle of the belt of truth. Sit and be quiet. The belt of truth. That's the first thing that we need to have everywhere that we go. It's talking about God's convictions and what we actually hold on to and believe. What do we walk out with in our lives that we hold on to? Sit down. (laughs) What do we have in our lives that we hold on to? Because I tell you, there is an enemy out there. There is an enemy out there that wants to rob you of the truth that you have. He is going to test your convictions every day of your life. Things will happen and your faith and your convictions will be tested straight away. It'll be robbed. I'll tell you, one of my students came up to me the other day and uh, I'm a school teacher, by the way, and uh, she seemed pretty upset, pretty nervous. And I said to her, okay, what's up? What's the matter? Now, this is after class. And uh, we've been talking in biblical studies classes about the demonic. And uh, she said, look, about what we're talking about, I, um, I played with a widget board a couple of weeks ago, and uh, since I played with this widget board, I haven't been able to sleep. I've had all these weird things happening in my bedroom. And uh, she went into explaining what those things were, and I said, hey, let's just pray. She's not a Christian, but I thought, hey, good opportunity, let's just pray. So I didn't get weird on her, I didn't give her a big shoot of my Monday prayer. You know, I, I, just, I just said, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I just ask for these things to stop now in this girl's life. She's your daughter. You love her and you want to set her free. And I command her to be set free right now. And that was it. Several days later, I'm glad you're happy now because this next part is not very good. <laughs> this is how the devil can rob things. Um, a few days later, I caught up with her and I said, so how's things? How's the, um, you know, there's things that were happening in your bedroom. And she said, oh, They're gone. They're gone. That night, they were gone. When you prayed for them, they were gone. I said, wow, I'm trying to contain myself. You know, I said, isn't God good? And she said, yeah, no, nah, nah, I didn't think it was your God, Mr. Vega. No, nah, I think I was just hallucinating. And I said to her, oh, you told me you hadn't slept for, for weeks. She said, yeah, I know, but I think it was just in my mind. Yeah, no, nah, look, thanks. Thanks for trying. But look, I think it was just, uh, I don't know. I just got over it. I was just hallucinating. And she just walked off. And I thought, man. There's, there's a classic example. There is an enemy out there that wants to rob us of the truth. That girl felt, experienced, and saw the truth in her life that night. These things were gone. No more convincing proof could she have had. And this enemy just took it away from her. So we're going to be tested as well. So I ask you tonight, what are your convictions? What do you hold on to? What are those truths of the faith that no matter what happens, you take out there and hold you in good stead? What are those things that are unshakable, those things that you don't compromise about within your... Do you have those things? What are they? I, mean, I, I, I love the whole thing about the supremacy of Christ, that Christ is on his throne. And I'll tell you, I wear that around my, my loins everywhere I go. And I'll tell you, nothing, nothing can, can change that conviction in my life. I know that no matter what happens, Christ is on his throne, that he is in control of every man, every woman, every child, every circumstance, every situation, every nation, every galaxy, every brain, everything. Because he's on his throne, he's in control. And I hold on to that. And nothing's going to rob me of that. And that's what we're talking about tonight. 
putting the full armour of God and putting all those convictions in our lives that are unchangeable. I, I, one of the, another truth is my security in Christ, my salvation in Him. He is the author, perfecter and everything of my faith. And He promised that He would lose none of the ones that God has given Him. I know He won't lose me and I won't lose Him. My security is safe in Him. And I'll tell you, that, that's a truth I walk around with. Things happen. You know, I might get knocked down for a little bit, but I'll tell you, they are my truths, my convictions. So I'll tell you tonight, what are your convictions? What are your truths? What are your truths that you hold on to no matter what happens in, in, in your life? You've got to have those things and you've got to have them securely fastened and buckled around your waist to begin to form the full armour of God. Thanks, Amrick. Appreciate that. You can do that. Just not too much. Yeah. Um, the next thing. We've done this before. We've, we go way back. Looking good? What could this thing be? Who remember who? Someone knows their Bible. Someone's read their Bible. There we go. You don't know? <laughs> Look like something from the village people. We read on. You are not allowed to be funnier than me. We read on and we read this. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. It's the next part. Come on. We're called to live holy lives. God is holy. So we're meant to try to be holy as well. Little by little, we get there. We've got to have a passion for holiness, a passion for righteousness, a passion for justice, a passion for all the things that God loves. We're supposed to wear that. That's a breastplate everywhere we go. Because again, I tell you, there is an enemy that's trying to water down the Word of God. When you walk out of this church, it'll begin. When you turn the radio on, you turn the TV on, when you go into your workplace, when you hang around other people, I tell you, the enemy will begin to try and rob you of your passion for righteousness and will say to you, it's okay, you can do this. It's okay, you can think that. You can contemplate that. We need to have a, a, a passion for the holiness of God. And we need to be passionate about emulating. Because I tell you, there is an enemy. Like, I was a bit of an enemy with, with my son the other day. Please don't tell, my wife needs to cover her ears and, and, and his nanny because I was acting like the enemy toward him the other day because I was trying to rob him of his righteousness. He, uh, my, my son, he's a great kid. Oh, no, I'm confessing, he's a great kid. He, he's, just, he's just amazing. He just does everything right. Uh, he's, just, he's just an incredible kid to the point where sometimes he allows himself to get pushed around. And I was getting tired of this, you know. Uh, he, I've seen him snap. When he snaps, you know, it's, it's, it's like a time bomb. However, he, it, it takes him a long time to get there. And uh, the other day, he told me that someone punched him. You know, someone punched him at school really hard. And I'm thinking, so, Lucas, what do you do? You know, he said to me, nothing. I said, mm, okay. <laughs> did you tell your teacher? She said, no, no. He didn't do anything. He just punched you and you just... What did you do? I just kept playing. You know, so I thought, oh, no, this, this is, I'm not going to take this. I can't go and beat up a five-year-old. So I said, all right, mate. Okay, do you know how to throw a punch? And he goes, sort of. So I'm trying to teach him how to throw a punch. And I'm holding his arm up. And I'm there, you do this and you do that. You know, put your waist. You know, and I'm trying to give him this lesson on how to punch a kid. I'm there, next time someone punches you, I want you to deck him. You know, and I'm, and, and I'm doing this. I'm telling him this. The kid starts breaking down in tears. 
He starts crying. And he, I said to him, why are you crying? And he looked at me and he said, I don't want to do that to anybody. And I'm like, I felt like this big. My son, my son's more mature and more loving than I am. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh my goodness. I'm trying to... I'm trying to rob him. Seriously, he's the kind of kid. We went to a parent-teacher interview, and his, his teacher just says to us, I wish my children and all my other students were like your son. That's the kind of kid he is. But I'm trying to rob him of that. <laughs> I'm trying to say, no, come on. You've got to hit back when people try and hit you. I was acting like the enemy, and you too have an enemy that's going to whisper in your ears and say, don't worry about this, this, this righteousness stuff. You don't have to worry about it. You know, the standard is too high. It's all too hard. You'll get whispers. You'll get into situations where I tell you that this enemy will, will try to rob you off that. But we've got to stand firm. We've got to know that you know, it's not because of, of legalism, but it's because of what Christ has done for us. That's why we need to put this breastplate of righteousness. You know, this, the, the whole topic of uh, sanctification, I, I, I love this doctrine. I love this, this, one of my favorite theological doctrines. That it's, it's because of what he has done. Because of what he has done. Uh, Hebrews 10.14 says, Through one sacrifice, Jesus has made perfect forever those that he's making holy. So yes, we're not holy. We're getting there little by little. But before God, we are perfect. God sees you. He doesn't see you anymore. He sees perfection because He sees His Son. And we should look at that. We should appropriate that and allow that to give us the strength to walk out in righteousness and live holy, righteous lives. So we need to remember that. We get dressed in the morning and we talk about the full armor of God and say, God, help me. We wear, we wear this, this righteousness as a breastplate. And it's interesting that this, this, it talks about righteousness being a breastplate because it guards your heart. I believe that's why. You know, we, we need to guard our heart because as, as Tony's been sharing, we drift. Oh, I love that teaching. It's so, so straightforward. I won't say simple. It's so straightforward, but it's so true. Man, I drift. Everyone drifts. And I tell you, if we allow to just develop this incredible passion, for the righteousness and the holiness of God, that's going to help us. And we're going to begin to wear the full armor of God. I won't go into that next bit. Next part. Couldn't think of anything else, so I bought, got some, some Nikes. Some Nike. Uh-oh. I'm giving my tricks away. Some Nikes. There you go. You can put them on. Now, Emmerich is putting on Nikes because in verse 13 it says, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Do they fit? Fantastic. And this is, this is part of what, this is what part, of, what part of what Tony's been talking about. Isn't it amazing? Like God is asking us to be on the front foot warriors. He's asking us to be equipped. Nice. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, be a sitting down warrior. Very good. Can we, can we black him out a little bit? There we go. He is looking like a warrior, isn't he? He's looking, he's looking the part. It's a, it's a warrior, more of a warrior than a warrior. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this is a little bit what Tony has been talking about in his Go series. I mean, it's, it's, it's in the Word of God. If you want to be effective, you need to be ready to share the gospel. You need to be ready to share the Word of God. Uh, in, uh, Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, absolutely challenges me to the core. Most of you who have read uh, Philippians, you'll know 
that he is in, this is guy, he's in prison. He's got no wife, no friends, no family, no children, absolutely nothing. He's starving in prison. He's chained up. He could be getting executed any minute. He's sitting there and he's, he's, he's having a letter being sent to his friends in Philippi and he's saying, this is great. This is awesome. I rejoice in these chains. I rejoice in these chains because they mean that the gospel is advancing. Praise God. How is that? He is in chains and he's saying, this is fantastic. Because of these chains, I've been able to advance the gospel in the palace guard. So people in prison are getting saved. This is fantastic. Praise God for these chains. Thank you, Jesus. And because of these chains, furthermore, my brothers outside this prison have become bolder in being able to preach the word of God. So because of these things, the gospel is advancing. Hallelujah. He was an old-fashioned Pentecostal. How is that? How is that? And I tell you what, that is challenging. Because that is our mandate. That's what we've been called to do. That no matter what our situation, no matter where we live, no matter where we go, we go with our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel. We take it wherever we go. It's not an optional extra. If we want to be spiritual, that's what we've got to do. It's our mandate. It's what we're meant to focus on. No matter what our circumstance. You hate your job too bad. Don't focus on how much you hate your job. Focus on the fact that I'm here to actually share the gospel, bring the gospel. So you focus more on the gospel, focus more on the mandate. And I'll tell you, all the other worries are going to start to seem a lot less important. We fit ourselves with the readiness to share the gospel everywhere that we do, that we go. We get ready. My wife is, she's my favorite evangelist right now. We saw school starting as an opportunity and she now has a fortnightly meeting where more than 15 parents get together and have coffee every morning, every, every fortnight. It's something that she's begun. Uh, the teachers are loving it. They're, they're sending out notes to all the parents. They actually become part of the curriculum. But it was because at the start, she just saw this opportunity. And she's got around people. And uh, she's, she's, a bit, she's a shy person. I, I, she is. But she just felt this conviction that, man, I'm going to meet all these new people. I'm going to make a difference. And we now have, these people don't know, but they're going to a home group. They don't know that yet. I don't know that yet. And I'll tell you, there's nothing but blessings that's going to come out of that. Even if not, not all of them you get slain in the Spirit and give their lives to Jesus this year, it doesn't matter. We've sown a seed. We've sown a seed. And, and we're giving them what people are looking for, community, friendship. You know, and, and that's what we're about. We're about taking it. We're using every circumstance to be able to advance what it is that we've been asked to advance. You know, the Bible says, you know, we all get freaked out because the Bible says, oh, you know, the, the devil's like a roaring lion looking for who he can devour. You know, wouldn't it be great if Christians were a bit more like that? If we were like the roaring lions, walking around our schools, walking around our, our works, you know, our neighborhoods, to see who, could be, who, who we could devour with the gospel. How's that? And I love the emphasis that Tony's been putting lately. It's, don't make it. It's not about us. It's, we don't do it. We just share it as lovingly as possible, as humanly as possible. You know, there's a God that loves you. You've probably walked away from him because you don't know him. But, you know, through Jesus, you can get back to him and seasons of refreshment will come your way. That's it. That's the gospel. You know, you just shared it. So if we want to be spiritual, and I'll talk a little bit later why I'm emphasizing that, but if we really want to be truly spiritual and protect ourselves and be fully, fully effective for God, it's not an optional extra. It's part of the full armor of God, which is what we're talking about tonight. So 
we fit, we fit our feet ready with the gospel of peace. The next part, you've already seen it's dropped out. The shield. I'll give it to you in a You can play with it in a minute. It's okay, relax. Verse, uh, verse uh, 16, yes, verse 16 says this. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy. Walk out, out of your homes. Walk out, out of every, into every circumstance with the shield of faith. I love the definition of faith that Pete uh, brought a few weeks ago, reminded us about what Hebrew says, that Christian faith is not I, something that we, like blind faith, it's not something that, oh, really, it'd be great if it was true. You know, we think, we think it is, you know, so, so we believe it. Now, the Christian faith is actually a knowledge. It's a certainty. It's not like you, we're hoping for the best. That's the difference. It's a key difference that Hebrews describes. Hebrews says that, you know, we, we know, we are certain of the hope that we're waiting for. So if you don't have that kind of faith, if you have this, you know, I hope so kind of faith, Ask for Christian faith because the real Christian faith is a faith that knows, that knows that our Redeemer lives, that knows that we've been saved, that there is a real God who loves us and is waiting for us and is using us in the meantime. It's a knowledge. It's not just a feeling. It's, that's how I try to explain to some of my students about, because they said to me, prove God to me. How do I know God is that? Well, I can't. I can just tell you that I know He's real to me because if, like, even right now, if you picture people that you love, for instance, how do you know you love them? You, love, you know you love them because you feel love for them. You can feel that love. And I say, well, that's how I explain the fact that I know God is there absolutely 100% with no doubt whatsoever because I can just feel him. Just like I can, you can feel love for people and you know that you love them because you feel that passion and that love, I can feel the existence of God. And so I know that is there. And that is my shield of faith, my certainty that Christ is with me and He will never leave me or forsake me. It's an absolute certainty that we need to walk out holding up our shield of faith, absolutely proud of who we serve and who we love. That is the shield that we need to walk out with. And so when things happen, it doesn't matter. When things come against us, it doesn't matter because we have our shield. We hold up our shield of faith, you know, and we remember that God is a God of, you know, and of incredible promises. I, I, I love that about God and, and, and that feeds my faith. And I remember all his promises. What are the promises that you hold on to when things happen? You know, you've got to be able to have a, a shield of promises that, that you hold on to, that you believe and that, and that you know that no matter what comes your way, you can extinguish those arrows those flaming arrows, the Bible calls it, with your shield of faith. You know, so that when trials come your way, man, you know, you know that God has promised that to, you can actually rejoice in those trials. Don't freak out, rejoice. All right, rejoice because in those trials, I'm developing your character. I'm growing you, I'm maturing you. I've got great things waiting for you. And for you to be able to receive those things, you need a certain kind of character. So don't worry about the trials that you're experiencing right now. Actually accept them, walk in faith through them. Start, stop asking why and start asking how. How can I get through these trials in faith? Because you know, you have your shield and you know that God is in there. God is allowing that trial to, to, to come your way. So it doesn't matter what happens. God is there and you can extinguish every flaming arrow with, um, with, with, of, with your faith. I love this promise. God says that no matter what happens, he will turn everything for the good of those who love him. How's that? Man, I hold that one up. 
I hold that one up. You know, in my triumphs, I hold it up because I don't let it get to me. Jesus, it's for your, for your glory. Thank you for this success. But in my failures, I hold it up and I go, Lord, I stuffed up. I'm sorry, but I know that somehow, somehow you don't only forgive me, restore me and all that kind of stuff, but you're actually going to turn this outcome for the good of, of who? The Bible says, for the good of those who love him. So you're actually going to use this failure for my own good. That's my faith. That's my shield. And I hold it up against every failure. And I encourage you to do the same. Hold on to the God of promises. That's how we can lift up the shield of faith. Couple last, couple more. Then we're almost done. No, thank JT, my sponsor for, the, for this. There you go, dude. Wake that on you. Oh, I was gonna try to look so cool doing this. Oh. Oh. oh dear. <laughs> like it's not a gun. There you go. <clears throat> there you go. I reckon you should I reckon you should stand up right about now. Come on, stand up. Look at that. What a mighty warrior. What an absolutely mighty warrior. Okay, stop clapping and sit down. That'll do. That'll do. No more glory. Verse 17 says this, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit. I love that. The Word of God is a sword. It's a sword. It's what we need to use to counteract every circumstance, every situation. We read it in one of my favorite parts of the New Testament when, I, I, I don't know, I love it, anything to do with this destruction. And I love it when Jesus destroyed the devil, when he was in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights being tempted. You know the story, it's fantastic. What does he do when the devil says to him, you know, bow down and worship me? Goes to the Bible, says, nah. Sorry, mate. But the Bible says, the Word of God says, so this is the, have you read the Orca version of the Bible? It's fantastic. Yes. Sorry, mate. I tell you what, I, I, I can't do that because the Bible actually says, worship God only. I'm not going to worship you. Then he tells him, you know, throw yourself off. See how powerful you are. Is it? No. This is what the Bible says. Don't test God. And stands behind him and, and strikes him with what? With the Word of God. You know? And I just find that amazing. I find that really, really curious if you think about it because... Jesus, being fully God, he could have annihilated the devil in any way. He could have just snapped his fingers and the devil would have crumbled. He could have just whispered and legions of angels would have come and destroyed the devil. He could have done it in any way. He had the power to do it. But I reckon he thought, I'm going to snap up this opportunity and use it as a teaching tool. So that my people know exactly what they need to fight with. He didn't resort to his strength or anything else. He just went back to the word of God. How many of us rely on our own strength, our own wisdom, Oprah, whatever? How many of us do that? But this is the sword. This is what Jesus is asking us to rely on. Not anything else, but this thing. This is a sword that we are to use. How many of us do we honestly say that when we get that feeling, we, say, we, we use the word of God? 
When we're in that situation, we speak the word of God in that situation. When we have that thought that won't leave us, when we have that fear, how many of us can actually, honestly, as Christians, actually claim to say, yep, when those things happen, the first thing I do is I use the word of God and I come against it with the word of God. How many of us know the word of God enough to be able to do that? That's the example that Christ left us. That's what he's asking us to do. That's what Paul is describing here. It's no wonder so many of us struggle. It's no wonder so many of us don't deal with with things in, in the manner that we should. I'll just say that. It's no wonder. We often leave what God has asked us to do, the example that he's giving us till last. But I tell you, it's a promise. Use the word of God. No matter what temptation, no matter what feeling, no matter what the devil is whispering to you as he whispered to Jesus, no matter if he says, you know, God doesn't love you anymore. You know, what do you do when you have that feeling, oh, God doesn't love me anymore? Do you panic? Do you Facebook it? Do you freak out? What do you do? The, Jesus said, go to the word of God. Use the word of God. Speak it out and tell him that God's love is unfailing, that his love does not change like shifting shadows. Tell the enemy that. Tell yourself that. And that's how you're going to divide and conquer. When, when the enemy's telling you, oh, you know, this God, you know, look at your situation. Why do you trust him? Why do, why do you rely on him? Just remind him that the word of God says that God's will is always perfect. It's always pleasing and it's always good. Tell him that before you freak out. And I tell you, you're going to destroy him. You're going to destroy him because he's part. It's part of wearing the full armor of God. Can I have the worship team to come up, please? Can we give John the Baptist? You think I'm joking? That's actually his, that's actually his middle name. John the Baptist. Can you believe that? Can we give him a big clap? I think I got them all. All that, just to say this, use every tool available to you. Use everything that God has said to use. Maybe we can start thinking even right now, okay, what have I neglected? Have I neglected to use my faith as a shield? Have I neglected to use the word of God to destroy the things that come against me? And so on and so on and so on. You know, when we get dressed in the mornings, it's great to try and look our best. But I tell you, there, comes a, a, there has to be a time when we consider, when we consider some of this. It's like, I'm walking out. Have I taken the gospel with me? Am I prepared to take it wherever I'm going? Have I really fitted my feet with the readiness that comes with the gospel? You know, a lot of people do a lot of strange things to be spiritual in the name of spirituality, they really do. But I love what the Word of God actually says about being spiritual. You want to be truly spiritual? You really want to destroy the enemy? You really want to be able to fight and wrestle against the, the principalities and powers? Preach the Word of God. Be ready to do it. You really want to wrestle with the enemy and destroy him and get really spiritual? Just remember that you've been called to live a righteous, holy life that you've been made righteous in Christ. 
That's, that's real spirituality. I love that. I love that. I'd love to just, um, just end in prayer before I have to. That's, that's real spirituality. I love that. I love that. I'd love to just, um, just end in prayer before I hand back to Tone. And just let me pray for all of us and uh, we'll, we'll leave it there. Now do that. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it teaches us and edifies us and uh, it really is a, a, a light unto our feet. Father, I pray that tonight we would all receive a new revelation, a new conviction, a new understanding that, Lord, we have it all in you. We have it all in your word. Lord, you've given us everything that we need to be able to do this life and to do it well, to do it effectively, to do it productively, to be on the move, to move forward. You've given us all the tools. And Father, I pray that you would forgive us whatever part of your word we have neglected. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do a deep work in all of us. And Lord, allow us to make the adjustments and to take up the focus that we need to take up in order to be able to do all that you've called us to do. Father, we ask this for the sake of your precious name. Amen. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. God bless.